I mentioned last year on Memorial Day that my father was a combat veteran of the Second World War. It was only in his latter years that he would say much about that experience, and he very rarely said anything about the dangers he faced or the sacrifices he made. He mainly remembered those who had not gone home from that war the comrades he lost, and even the enemy soldiers who died at their hands. To him, they were all human beings, swept up for the most part as he was into a war not of their own making or of their own choosing. And my daddy sometimes reflected on all that the fallen soldiers had lost, their lives, the things they didn't get to do, the places they never went, the loves they never had. My daddy was grateful to be a survivor, but he always yearned to know that in the end, things would somehow be made right for those who did not survive that great travail. Hope, they say, springs eternal. And scripture says that hope does not disappoint. So here is the paralyzed man sitting by the pool, waiting, hoping to be healed. He is there with others like himself. They are all hoping to be made well by waters that are to be stirred by an angel. Some of the manuscripts of the New Testament add an explanation that whoever enters the water first after they are stirred by the angel will be healed. And that, of course, implies that if you get in second, it's not good enough. It doesn't work. This stirring of the waters is a mystery. No one knows when it will occur. There are no signs that a stirring is about to happen. It just happens, and whoever is fortunate enough to get in first can expect to be made well. And there are a multitude of folk there, and this paralyzed man is simply one of them, and he has no one to help him. When Jesus asks if he wants to be healed, he can only tell his story as to why he hasn't been healed. The healing waters are so close, yet they might as well be a hundred miles distant because he can never get there. Still, he waits. He hopes for that intersection of fortune in which some willing and able helper will show up at the precise moment when healing is possible. This man by the pool of Bethesda is every man who waits in hope. We don't know, but we can surmise that he has grown accustomed to being disappointed. The same Bible that says hope does not disappoint also says hope deferred makes the heart sick. We don't know whether his heart is sick or simply resigned, but one thing we know for sure is that he has never been able to make it into the healing waters. I recently read again Samuel Beckett's play, Waiting for Godot. It is a tragic comedy of two friends who wait by the road for the arrival of a man named Godot. We aren't told how, but we are led to know that Godot 
was to be the one who would set things right, the one who would make things as they should be. As they wait, these two friends suffer violence and insults and everyday indignities. They experience many things they cannot explain. They lurch from pessimism to optimism and back to pessimism again and again. They propose over and over again to leave, to move on, to give up on Godot. But in the end, they cannot leave. They remain. They wait. And Godot never comes. And we are led to ask whether they are courageous in their hope or simply cowardly in their naivete. Karl Marx would say that they are fools. Marx considered religion to be the opiate of the masses. Faith, according to Marx, is the empty promise of a better world that permits humankind to endure this world rather than change it. And Marx would point out that for a majority of sufferers, Godot never shows up, at least not in this world. And then that brings us to the next world, the world described in that reading from Revelation. Here is this glorious image of the river of the water of life flowing from the throne of God. And on either side are the trees of life with never-ending fruit and leaves that are medicine for the healing of the nations. Here the healing waters are not stagnant and quiet and only occasionally stirred. They are gushing continually in life-giving abundance. It is not just the lame and the halt who are healed individually, but whole nations, races, ethnic societies. It is a beautiful, beautiful vision, a hopeful image of life beyond this life, of life made right for those who have waited and suffered in hope. In 1999, Nell, our children, and I accompanied my father on a trip back to France, Luxembourg, Austria and Germany. He wanted to see again places where he had been in combat, and we saw those places. In France, we visited a U.S. military cemetery. There, the curator of the cemetery found the burial record of a soldier who had died in the first day of combat my father's unit ever faced. My daddy had not known in the confusion of that day whether this man died, but he suspected that he had, and it was confirmed he had died on that very first day. Looking across the ordered ranks of the white grave markers on the green hillside on that sunny day, my daddy teared up as he remembered that man, as he remembered that day. And he teared up because of his own hope that things would be made right in heaven for that man and for all of those who had fallen. Sisters and brothers, it is admittedly a stretch to place our hope in such a thing. 
Some folks would say that we are fools for doing it. Yet our hope is not in some vague, undefined promise that things will get better as if by magic. Our faith, our hope is in Jesus. The man by the pool encounters Jesus. And Jesus heals this man without the benefit of the water stirred by the angel. You see, Jesus is himself the living water. Just as he is the light of heaven, he is the water of life. It is from his throne, from his authority, from his being that the river of the water of life flows. It all has its source in him. We place our trust in Jesus whom God raised from the dead, thereby robbing death of its sting, the grave of its victory. We hear today how Lydia, that businesswoman from Thyatira, who lived in Philippi, put her faith in Jesus. Paul had the vision of this man of Macedonia saying, come over and help us. And so they traveled from Troas to Samothrace to Neapolis and to Philippi. I got it right. Uh, where is he? I don't see him. He's not in here. And she was baptized into that faith. And for her and for her family, those baptismal waters became healing waters. Just as they do for us. We are buried with Christ in baptism so that as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. By faith, we walk in the newness of this present age and ensure in hope, certain hope of the age to come. The skeptic would say, if our faith in Jesus is misplaced, the cynic would go even farther and suggest that the vision of heaven is simply a fantasy of our own desperate making. What are we to say to this? Are we wise to believe in such things? Are those who fall in battle simply the tragic victims of humanity's addiction to violence? What of those who wait in hope? We all must answer the questions for ourselves. I am a preacher of the gospel. In that, I am like the Apostle Paul. The gospel I declare, the Jesus in whom I place my trust, in whom I invite you to place your trust, that Jesus is one who proves again and again and again to be trustworthy in this life. And so I trust him when he promises to care for me and for my loved ones in the life to come. If Jesus did not teach us and empower us to live so truthfully, so authentically in this life, I might not have quite so much confidence in his promises concerning the world to come. But he does. In a deep, fundamental way, I know the statement to be true when Jesus says, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst again. 
I think of the yearning of my father. What he felt for a world such as this. And the yearning that he had for a world beyond this world in which old soldiers and fallen soldiers are healed from the horrors of war. I think of the grief that we all carry at certain seasons in our life. I think of the desire we have for a just and compassionate world. I think of the prayer we pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I believe that these deep resonances of the heart are the affirmation of our hope. Just as we have eyes because there is light, just as we have ears because there is sound, we have these deep passions of hope, passions of the heart, because there is Jesus Christ who loves us and who promises to journey with us and to be for us the living water. Dame Julian of Norwich lived in the 14th and 15th century. She was an English anchorite. She wrote Revelations of Divine Love, and one of her statements seems so fitting. She was a mystic, and people came to her for spiritual direction. And she would say, of the end, all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. May it be so, and may even the longing of our hearts Tell us that it is. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.